three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, Wayne. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, brother. How you doing? Pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Doing awesome. Great. I hope 2022 has been a good year for you so far, just kicking things off. Oh, it's 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 been absolutely amazing. Uh, things are going extremely fast for, what, we 16 days into it? So it seems like it's uh, two months already as far as yeah. my work schedule goes. But great, great way to start the year, uh, making making a lot of money and hanging out with a lot of friends. Awesome. So uh, tell the people, who do you say you are? First off, I would uh, consider myself a father. Uh, Wayne Murray is a father. My daughter, Sarah, is probably my biggest, uh, maybe accomplishment, uh, thing that I'm the proudest of. So I'd, I'd put father up there at the top of the top of the list. Uh, everything that I uh, try to say and do is with her in the back of my mind. She's, she's 21 right now, uh, but I look at myself as a father as far as never stopping to set an example for a lot of times people say yeah when my kid's 18 they're going to move out and oh i'm, I'm done i did a great job no i won't be done until i'm in the grave uh so everything i do i try to set an example for her and hopefully i hopefully i do uh there's some examples i like to pull back uh, and that's just parenting learning uh, besides that um i say i'm a friend uh i try i try my hardest to go out to uh, be a friend people instead of just looking for friends and i found that's worked for me a lot uh, as far as getting my get my circle extremely small but tight with that i got people that can really trust uh, that i can learn from and that's that's key is, is having friends that, that you can learn from uh, john maxwell says if you're the smartest man in the classroom uh, then you're in the wrong classroom uh, you should always have somebody to be looking up to and i have several friends in my circle that, that i absolutely look up to that i count on uh, that I allow them to hold me responsible for my actions. So, so I, I consider myself a friend. I'm a dedicated worker. I just uh, really take pride in, in my work, what I do. My dad told me a long time ago, he said, everything you do, you have your name on it. So, and I'm part of the uh, John Maxwell team. John Maxwell is a mentor of mine, been a mentor for about four and a half years. John Maxwell team is, it, it's a group of coaches and speakers and trainers, which pretty much becomes a family. We always uh, reach out to each other, uh, throwing ideas off each other. So that's, that's basically who I am. Uh, I work in construction too. So I'm a, a welder and a pipe fitter. Uh, I guess a little bit of everything is, is who Waymer is. Awesome. And when I remember the first time we met was through a speaking group called Toastmasters and yeah. finding out that you're a fan of uh, John Maxwell, I was like, oh, wow, I've been reading some of his books. So that that's great to not only know you through that, but also see you communicate that and your ability to to speak to people and also to just encourage. Yes. Yeah, being around John, the uh, times that I have is when you read a book of his and his books flow so easy, his, his communication skill is, is world class. It's the best I've ever seen because he just breaks it down so easy. Uh, I, I used to laugh and say that if a if an old pipe fitter and a construction hand can go to a John Maxwell event and leave changed, then, then anyone can because John uses five cent words that are worth a million dollars. And he's he's just an amazing person, but he's the same on stage as he as he is off stage. 
Um, you know, he, he'll be walking down the aisles and he, he has one motto. He says, walk slow. And, and he was always saying that. And I, you know, I really didn't understand what he meant, walk slow. And then one day when we had a uh, little private small group at one of the events that I was part of, I asked him, I said, you know, I hear you say walk slow. And, and he says, yes. He, he says, when you come to events, people, you'll see people in hurries. They're, they're, they're running to this one, going to this one, going to this one. He said, it's not the event that you come for. It's the people. He says, so when you walk slow, you get to interact with people. He said, you, you, you get to hear their story. You get to talk to them. He said, he said, everything is done in a slow pace on purpose because you get to stop and smell the roses and the roses are the people. So I just love that, that concept, taking it through life itself is walk slow. Yeah. Enjoy the people. I, I love that analogy. And I guess speaking of walking slow, just being able to speak in a manner, but not also being able to listen in conversation. That That's what... That's one of the things that um, really wanted me, that pushed me to reconnect with you and have a conversation post-Toastmasters and just be like, hey, how, how are you doing? Because anytime that we've talked, you always take the time to listen to what the other person is saying. And then in speaking to myself or to other people, you always seem to add value in what you're saying and to present a message that's like, okay, how is this actually going to help this person or how can I add something to them? So um, I'm grateful for that among many things, but I was, wow. Thank you. I was also impressed not only to know that you've, you've uh, been a John Maxwell speaker going through the Toastmaster, but also having another skill you could rely on um, as a welder and a pipe fitter. And it kind of surprised me, but I, I was like, regardless of where you find yourself, it doesn't surprise me that you carry yourself with the same demeanor to say, I'm here to do a, a job and to put my name on it and to just continue to apply the, the principles that I've learned going throughout. So well, you it, definitely, go ahead. You definitely have to, uh, one, listen, listen to your surroundings. And, and when I say listen, it's listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to just reply. Because if you're just always in a hurry to reply, then your brain is thinking of something to say while the other person is speaking. So then you're really not listening to them. And, and okay, as far as like putting your name on things, uh, okay, I'll give you an example of putting your name higher than your job. I was working at DSM Chemical one time and we were all, it was like a 16 hour day. All of us were tired and we were up there putting this music um, like exchanger together. It's, it's like a big acid chamber and has acid flowing through it. So we're up there putting it together, trying to get the plant running. And we're putting gaskets in between these flanges, you know, to seal them up. Next day, next morning, we come in and our boss is flipping out. He says, y'all got to go down there and fix it. There's a there's a leak. It, it was spraying acid. So they shut part of that plant down. We go down and we we go up. And as soon as I walked up to the flange that was that was tagged because it was leaking, I knew it was my my flange. I knew that I had worked on that flange. What I had done was I put a 12 inch gasket inside of a 14 inch flange. I put the wrong size. There, there was no doubt. There was a lot of us up there working. So in the chaos, I messed up. I was in a hurry. I did it. So as soon as we fixed it and we got it back up and running and went down there and our boss said, can anybody tell me what happened? And one of the main um, uh, supervisors was happening to walk through the shop at the time. And I raised my hand. I said, I put the wrong gasket in. And my boss turned and said, what? I said, yeah, that, it was me. It wasn't anybody else. It was it, it was me. And he's like, well, what happened? He's, and he's kind of flipping out. I said, I don't know. I said, I picked it up. I slid it in there. 
I said, in a hurry, I didn't check it. I said, but it was me. And so he walks away and he goes talking to the main boss and they come back and the main boss said, did you learn something from it? I said, yeah, take my time, no matter what, double check it and even have somebody else come behind me and double check it. He said, okay. And then he held a huge meeting in the plant and he called me up there and he said, I saw something yesterday that I hadn't seen in a long time. I saw somebody take accountability for their mistakes. He, he said all he had to do was stand back and say nothing because there were so many people up there working. We don't know who worked on what. He said, but instead he took a chance of getting fired because that was a fireable offense. He, he said, but he took account. He, he said, that's the culture that I'm trying to get in this plant. To have people take accountability for their actions. So again, that's putting your name on it. And it, it's not just, oh, look how good I did this. That's me. That's me. No, it's, hey, I screwed up. That's me. Let's let's all learn from what I made a mistake from. So that's another thing of putting your name on stuff is holding yourself accountable, um, setting an example. And it's not always just the good stuff. It's the bad stuff, too. Um, just hold yourself accountable for your actions. So that's one of the things that I've learned, too, through the years. Yeah. <laughs> well, when when you say that, I was sitting here thinking to myself, it's like, weren't you worried about getting fired? But it it's one of yeah. those things where it's like, yeah, it, it's. It's not the, how would I say, it's even convicting to myself as to like, it's it's not the thing that's like nice and shiny that everybody else can see. Because especially if you've got a lot of people involved, it's like, well, anybody could have happened. You could find a reason to say, well, it's because of this, it's because of that. But you just taking the mere ownership of just stepping up and saying, it's me, it's my fault. Here's what I did. And it, like in that, were you worried about the consequences at all, or were you just more concerned with oh, taking ownership of it? Absolutely. I, I knew by okay by stepping up and, and raising my hand, one, I didn't want anyone else to catch flack for something I did because somebody was going to ha- have the finger pointed at them. I knew it was me, so I knew there was a chance that I could lose my job. But in, but in saying that, understand that there there is no job security in this world, but there is employment security. Does that make sense? There is no job security, meaning we'll say Michael Jordan. I know he's retired. He doesn't play anymore. But just say in his prime with the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bulls could have went bankrupt and just disbanded. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan would have been out of a job. But how long would it have taken him for another team to pick him up? Meaning there is no job security, but there yeah. is employment security. So I had enough confidence in myself, in my skills that I've worked hard to hone, that if I would have lost that job, I could have left that day. And I'm not trying to sound cocky. I'm just really confident in my skills because I put a lot of hard labor into being a certified welder, a certified pipe fitter that I could have went somewhere else. So so the job part of it really wasn't a big thing, but it was just the fact of I had to go to sleep that night. I had to look myself in the mirror. I had to look at my daughter. Again, I go back to her and I tell her all the time to own up to what you do you know, because, because at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself and by doing that, and that wasn't a moment thing. That was a, a, a lifetime of training myself to be able to, to do that. Where I was like, my dad used to always tell me, he said, son, never take the easy wrong over the hard right. And the easy wrong would have been to stand back and say nothing. Uh, where the hard right was to say, listen, I did it. And, and on top of that, one of the people that worked that night on shift was one of my best friends. We call him Doc. He was almost sprayed by that acid because of something I did. Now, now he didn't get sprayed. Uh, but he almost did. So, so I had that in the back of my mind too, that, you know what, one of my best friends almost got hurt by something I did. You have to take accountability from it. And the funny thing was one month after that happened, uh, they have a monthly employee of the month. 
one month after that happened, and it's something that the operators uh, and supervisors all vote on. They voted me um, employee of the month and everybody was amazed. I'm like, what? You made a huge mistake. Yeah. I said, I did. But they voted me employee of the month. So, and I didn't know that was going to happen. That's after the month later. So, yeah. So I, I just look back on it. It was a huge learning thing, not even from me, but people began to not be scared to own up to their mistakes and the culture slowly began to shift. And I'm not saying it all came from that. We had a lot of great leaders uh, that was changing the culture. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I look back on it. There was, that part of me was like, oh, this ain't going to go over good because I know my supervisor, I know he's going to flip out. Right. But don't take the easy wrong over the hard right. And I, I'm sure for your supervisor, that was also like somewhat of a relief to have like one of his guys own up to say like, hey, I, I'm the one because by default, it seems like the supervisor would always be the one to kind of carry the blame. Anything mm-hmm. that your guys do, you eventually did. That's right. And it, it did it. Matter of fact, there was a procedure that came out of it where whenever a job got done, one person was designated to go through and check every flange and sign off on a piece of paper to make sure that the right gasket was in there and that and the flange was sealed. So that procedure came into play and it happened to be a few times after that, there was mistakes found before mm. the plant got up and running, mm. which would have never came to be if, if that mistake wouldn't have happened. So as long as we learn from our mistakes and grow, uh, the world can be a better place. I like that. So tell me, how, how did you become a, a welder, a pipe fitter? I was in the army for, for almost eight years. Uh, I, I was injured, got out and needed work. So my dad, my dad was in construction. So he, he said, well, won't you go, won't you go into construction? My dad was a pipe fitter. So I, I jumped into construction and started watching the welders, uh, the pipe welders, seem to be going home cleaner than anyone else at the end of the day. Mm. I was like, well, that's what I want to do. Why well, go home tired and dirty? And that was the image that was put in my head. So I had a lot of friends on, on some of the jobs that were welders. So it, at my break times, I was practicing. At my lunch times, I was giving up my lunches to practice. I had a half hour every day to practice. So that, you know, that turns into roughly two and a half hours of free practice. So I just kept on doing that. And then when I went to Texas, I was working in uh, Weatherford, Texas. They had a after after hours welding school. It was free for people that worked there. So they had an instructor there uh, a couple nights a week. So I gave up again. Uh, people said, oh, yeah, you had a free school. Who wouldn't go to a free school? Believe it or not, a lot of people will not go to a free school uh, because after hours, there was me, maybe six other people. And this is a huge job site, a huge job site. There were six or seven of us in the evenings going to this free welding school. It, it lasted about two hours in the evening time. But I would ask my, some of my friends, because at the time I was, I was a helper. I said, well, man, we got this, we got this welding school. Won't you go to it? Because you're always saying you want to make more money. You want to move up the ladder. And they're like, yeah, but they want me to do it on my time. I'm like, but it's free. Well, I'm not going to do it on my time. They should let me do it on their time. So when people say make everything free, uh, if you don't have some skin in the game, there's a chance that you won't go to it. So I continue to do that. And then I got good enough to get certified. And then I was certified in different levels of, of welding. And then uh, I wanted to move up in the pipe fitters because it's good to have, have a dual craft. But don't just have all your eggs in one basket, uh, an old man told me once. So I started studying pipe fitting. And I took the NCCER pipe fitting test, which is like a national test for pipe fitters. And I passed it. So I have my national uh, recognition for pipe fitting. So I'm dual craft. Mostly I, I pipe fit now most, most of the time instead of welding. It's just, just, just the way the things falls for me. I, I enjoy the, 
that part of it now. And plus I'm getting a little older. So I have, I have helpers that does most of the labor work for me most of the time. Nice. Yeah. That's how I got into it. And then from, from there, you also made another transition into speaking, like joining John Maxwell and his team. That all came. How did that start? That was it. The DSM, uh, DSM plant that I was working at, I had tinkered around a little bit with, with talking. I've, I've enjoyed speaking. And then my my daughter Whitney, my oldest daughter, she was uh, tragically killed uh, when she was eighteen. She was she, she was struck by a vehicle, uh, so that was that was a huge flip in my life. I wanted to do something different. I just had to do something different. So uh, I was uh, my mind was always just going around and around trying to figure out why this, why that, and I was in a really uh, confused state there for there for about six months. And I remember my daughter was always telling me, you know, you know, dad, just, I'm going to go after my dreams. This is my daughter, Whitney. So I'm always going to go after my dreams. I'm, I'm chasing my dreams. And she was, and that was kind of her motto. She was always saying that. So that stuck in the back of my head and, and I wanted to become a speaker. So the opportunity came up. I saw where John Maxwell had a, had a team that you could join and he had a certification program in Florida. So I signed up for it, went to it, started becoming uh, really involved with the John Maxwell team, getting involved with the other speakers and coaches. And then still doing my job, I, you know, I was still at DSM. And it just happened to be that the owners for DSM had flown into our country because we were owned by another country. I think it was, um, I'm trying to think who, it wasn't Germany, but it was another country. But anyways, they had flown in to our plant to make a surprise visit. No one knew they were coming. Now they're on plant and they're going area by area by area. And my, my bosses uh, came up to me and said, hey, each area has to have somebody speak for them. And we know you're tinkering around in that speaking thing you're doing. I didn't really realize what it was. They said, would you mind being our speaker? I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be the, I'll be the spokesman for, you know, for crew 10. That's what we called it. Crew 10. They said, okay. They said, well, listen, what we want you to talk about is, and they started going over these points. I said, well, hold on. I said, I've already got a speech prepared. And they said, well, how do you have a speech prepared for something you didn't know was going to happen? I said, because John Maxwell says, always have a speech in your back pocket, a general speech but one that you can tweak on the fly to use anywhere. And I did. I've been, for some reason, I've been practicing a speech in my head about the new programs that we had started there that this, the owners have wanted us to start. And I had this thing laid out. It was probably an eight minute speech. So they come and I'm up there going over the program and there's a lot of big wigs all around. And I'm up there going over it and I'm this and I'm that. And at the end, I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to sell you on this program because you already bought it. I'm just letting you know that we've bought into it. And they're like, whoa. So they leave. And next thing you know, they come back to my boss and they're like, would you mind if we use him to go around to other places and kind of give what he just gave? And they're like, of course, my boss ain't going to say no. These are the owners. He's like, no, yeah, use him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't mind. We we can free him up. So they came to me and they, they asked me and I was like, yeah, sure. So I started going around to different parts of the plant and speaking. And I remember one time, this is a chemical plant. It, 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 this is kind of funny. This is a chemical plant. We have to wear fire resistant clothing in there. One day I knew I was going up to the main office. I'd, I'd been scheduled to go up there and talk. And I came into the plant. I, I have pictures. It's so funny because all my coworkers died laughing. I came walking into the plant in a suit, in a three-piece suit, all decked out. And I walked in there looking like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm going up to the main office. They're like, yeah, but where's your where's your fire retardant clothing? And my boss came out. He's just shaking his head. He says, you're really going to wear that? I said, you dress to where you want to be, not to where you are. You, you understand that? You dress to where you want to be, not to where you are. And, 
And that's where I wanted to be. That, that's where I was. My focus was getting on a stage or stages. And at the time, I was still a construct, just, just a construction worker. So I went up to the main uh, building where all the big wigs was, and I, I, gave a, I gave a speech. And then afterward, they said, would you mind sitting in a couple of meetings with us and giving us your input? And I did. And lo and behold, maybe eight months after that, I uh, put, in my, put in my resignation uh, and went speaking full time because they ended up opening doors for me to, to go different places. And I used those contacts that I had made and it just, it just took off. It took off really good for, for about two years. And then that's when uh, COVID, COVID introduced herself or itself, I want to say her, uh, itself. <laughs> and, and everything, everything kind of shut down there for a while. Yeah. But for about two years, I was, I, I was traveling, doing really good. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Don't regret anything. That's awesome. And I, I like, like you were saying earlier, it's, you have to have some skin in the game and being willing to do things on your time because it, it's, um, it's one thing to start something and kind of just tinker with it when it's, it's in that, um, I'll call it hobby mode, but, or honeymoon mode, some people might say, but Mm -hmm. it's like, at times it's it's nice when something is there, but usually when you see someone that's traveling or being able to enjoy those two years that you had, it's usually there's a lot of practice that went into it. And there was a lot of things that you had to do on your own without being called upon so that when you were called upon, you were ready to go. Because I can think back to other times, like being in Toastmasters and things like that. I got in and I stayed consistent for a bit, but then after a while, things would come up and then I had to pull back. And then when someone was like, oh, hey, I heard you were in this speaking thing. And I was like, well, I was, but, <laughs> but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think I was able to help somebody out to just say, hey, here's a local place you can go to and practice. And then even when you relocate, you can keep going or right. look for someone somewhere nearby and just continue to get that those reps in and get those practice reps in and um and saying that it, it reminds me of the story that you told me once about how you you taught your daughter how to like how would you say like yoda like or jetta mind trick like in a sense of almost teaching her how to be responsible by getting her to pay for things unbeknownst mm-hmm. to her by yeah. having a job and being like no i'm not just going to give you these things, but I'm going to have you like pay your own money to do this. And all the while I'm taking what you're paying and I'm putting it here. That's right. And the yeah, whole time, account. yeah, it's like people are just questioning you thinking like, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't be doing this. That's not what you do for children. And then like when they saw the end yeah. result or the after effects, they're kind of just like, oh, yeah. when'd you do that? I caught, I caught so much flack from, from doing that. Again, because I, I've been a single dad. I've had my, I've had Sarah since she was five, maybe five or six. And I raised her, I've raised her on my own. And I say quotation marks on that because I've had such an incredible circle of, of, of godly women, uh, my Nana, just people stepping in and, and helping me out because I say single parent, but I didn't do it single handedly. I had an incredible group of people helping me raise my daughter, but it was that same group that was like, what? Because I was charging her, I was charging. She she had to pay for her car, she had to pay for her insurance, she had to pay for her schooling. She was paying uh, rent to stay here once she graduated because she wanted her freedom. 
He said, hey, I'm I'm 18 now. I've graduated. You can't tell me what time to come in. Okay, then if you're 18, you can pay rent. You can. So she was she was doing all these things. And you're right. Uh, people are like, what? But but she's still. I said, no, she, she can pay all these things. And again, unbeknownst to a lot of people. And, and, and my daughter did. It. She, she did it without complaining. She said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will. And she had to crack down. So she wasn't going out as much with her friends because she didn't have the money to. And then a year went by. And then I uh, we had a party up at the Lady Lady A Park. And my nana was up there and I walked up there with a stack full of bank statements. It was, it was probably three quarters of an inch of bank statements. And I gave it to my daughter and she's looking at all the numbers on there and like, what is this? I said, well, look at the numbers. Is there anything particular about those numbers? And she's looking, she said, well, there's a 200. That was her rent. She said, there's a 60. That was her uh, AT&T bill. There's 150. That's her insurance. And she's going, she's looking at them. I said, everything you paid, every single penny you paid, I was taking that same amount and putting it into a separate account. And it came up to $10,000 roughly like in a year. And I said, I just wanted you to one, see that you could do it because you have a lot of young people saying, yeah, I can make it on my own. I can do this. I can do that. Well, they're saying that without doing it. And I'm not saying they can't do it, but there's a difference between saying I can and I did. I did it. And I want her to have the confidence that when she does move out and, and she has now, she's she has her own place and she's doing fantastic that she can look back on that year and say, I did it. This isn't something I think I can do. This is something I know I can do because I've already done it. And all those people that were giving me a hard time, uh, they're like, whoa, that's that's kind of a, a different way to look at it. I said, I want her to be responsible. I, as, a, as, as a single dad, as being me and her this whole time, her moving out wasn't the easiest on me, but I didn't raise her to to stay on the farm, to say, I want her to go out and experience the world. She wants to go to Colorado. She wants to do these things. And a lot of people in the family are like, no, no, stay here in Augusta. And I'm like, no, no, go. I want you to go. Do I want you to be by my side? Absolutely. I'm your dad. I, I love my daughter to death, but I want her to go out and experience things. And I've raised her to be a responsible young adult, um, to be good hearted towards people, to, to be good hearted towards herself, which a lot of people have a hard time doing. And so I have confidence in her. And those the, those hard lessons and trust me, she had to grow up quick being being raised by me in, in construction. Uh, there was times I was on night shift when she was really young. And I told her, I said, baby, you got to be dressed in the morning when I get here. Keep the door locked. And I know that goes against a lot of the grain of people and, and kids. And next morning I, I'd get home and I'd walk in and she'd already had breakfast ready and she'd be dressed and ready to go to school. And I'd take her to school and, I'd, and that was it. So she had to grow up quick. Um, and everything I did wasn't wasn't perfect, but I can look back now. And, and she can too. She gave a speech at her graduation, and uh, here here we had a big graduation party, and she gave a speech, and she said, "I don't know what what the world has prepared for me." That's funny. I haven't thought about it until now. She said, "I haven't. I don't know what the world has prepared for me, but I know I'm prepared for the world because my dad raised me. But my daughter means the world to me. So, as a parent, be involved. Be involved. Be involved. Uh, I wanted to be her parent before I wanted to be her friend." If that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. Big old construction worker. <laughs> hey, but I think that's, that's the best part of us being able to, to um, just look back on things and, and whatever comes being able to experience that the good with the bad, but also it, it's a lot of times, especially you talk about being in the circles of construction work or being just a man for that fact. and a big thing that gets missed is just being able to express a full range of emotions and mm -hmm. 
for us, a lot of times it seems like it's either the anger or the joy. There's not that in between, like the the softness that that comes through in it. And more times than not, people actually appreciate a little bit of that softness because it's like it's another sense that you're not just dangerous or you're not just manly because you can puff your chest out because it's like mm-hmm. what someone that's able to be vulnerable is more comprehensive than someone that's just like um ro- robotic in a sense right. I, I was gonna say military but it's like no like when you're military you have an assignment that you're doing and it's like when when you get up and you have to do the job or you get up and you have to do the task at hand. That's, that's just part of that. That's just the assignment you have to complete. But I think too many times um, it gets missed that we're human and we've got to be allowed. We have to allow ourselves to experience that's, what, what we need right to experience. Here. Allowing other people to, to one, touch those emotions. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. I mean, I was, my daughter has seen me cry plenty of times, uh, and and this is coming from again. You, you talk about military. I was when I was in the army. I was an airborne ranger at Fort, at, at Fort Bragg, so I understand the the hardcore side of what people consider. You know, the man, the you know, the special ops, and then coming out into the world. It was it was hard to adjust going from being an airborne ranger to coming out here, and but being able to adjust is being able to see who you are as a person and say that it's okay. It's it it really is okay because there there's times that I'm not I'm not always up, and but I was able to be honest with my daughter, say, hey, listen, I had a rough day today. Uh, this this and this just didn't go good uh, emotionally. I, I'm just spent right now. Yeah, and and by being having that open communication with her, she was able to say the same thing to me on occasions. And not have to worry about if I tell him this, is he going to be disappointed? Mm-hmm. No, tell me. Let's let's work through it together. So you know, so that's a great observation you made about allowing people to to show those emotions and, and be themselves. Yeah, it, it's funny when I I saw you for a second there. I I thought for a split second to interject and just be like, take your time. But I was like, that it kind of defeats the purpose of saying take your time if I don't just allow you to take your time and um just even to what you just said about as a parent being able to express those things to your child and vice versa it it goes a long way because for it also going hand in hand with being the bigger person in the room a lot of times it it seems it it's either out of frustration or out of just ignorance to just be like oh they they don't know they don't understand and just wanting to blame the other person or blame the parent as the child. And what I've found over the, the last few years is that in being able to be more expressive myself and to reach out to my parents and check in with them, they've been able to do the same with me. And similarly in other relationships where a lot of the things I thought I needed, I I had to be willing to give. And it it's it's just it's funny how it works out sometimes that the more you you give it's it's not always monetary but like the time that you give to people the attention and like genuine care that you give without expecting anything back it 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 kind of comes back to you in in more ways than what you might expect yeah the keyword keyword there is genuine 
because you're not going into it with a mask on to say you're going in just genuine. Listen, I want to spend time with you. I want to do this. Uh, I want to be honest with you. And a lot of times being being honest, uh, being tactful with your honesty, uh, we can't always I can't take responsibility for the way you feel, but I have to take responsibility for my honesty. But I have to use tact with that, too, You know if that makes sense. So, yeah. So going going into it be, being genuine and being able to open up it reminds me of a uh, time I'll tell you quick with my daughter. Again, we were on, we were on a tight schedule in in, in the morning times uh, with work. So I slept in one morning. Now we're on a really tight schedule. So I jumped up and she's already in a room piddling around. I said, "Baby, I said you got to get dressed. Uh, breakfast is in there on the table. You got to go eat it. I got I got to jump in here and get cleaned up and shaved real quick." And she said, "Yes, sir." I go in the bathroom and I'm in there shaving and I'm doing my my, you know, my morning routine. And I'm thinking, you know, we could probably pull this off. You know, I'm going to let her do her thing. I don't have to go in there with her, this and that. I could probably pull this off. I won't be late. I was I was always very punctual. I hate being late. So finally, I come out of the, the shower and I'm done. And I, I come out of the bathroom and I'm passing her room and I look over and she's still sitting on the bed. And I lost it. As a parent, that's not the place you want to be. But I lost it. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? And I started screaming at her. I was, like, I was like, one time, I asked you one time to help me out, to go eat your breakfast, to go do this, and you can't even do that. Just one time help me out. And I, emotionally, I kind of lost it. And this was a buildup of my mistakes of sleeping in, not her mistakes. So, so she's sitting there, and she's just looking at me. You know, she starts crying. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I can't believe this. And I turn to go in there. I said, I say, you know what? You're not even eating breakfast. We don't have time. I go in there to put her bowl up, a humbling moment. Not only did she eat her breakfast, but she took the bowl, took it into the kitchen, and I saw where she had moved a stool and pushed the stool in front of the sink. And I walked over there. She had rinsed her bowl out. She did all this while I was in there and was back there and had her clothes already laid out that I didn't see because I was so busy yelling. And I walked in there and she was just sitting on her bed. And I walked over to her and she was sitting there on the bed with her legs hanging over. She was probably third grade, roughly around her third, maybe fourth. And I walked over and I fell to my knees and I, I put my head in her lap and I just bawled. I cried. I said, baby, I'm so sorry. At that moment, work was the last thing on my mind. Being late was the last thing on my mind. I said, I am so sorry. I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, you were too busy yelling, daddy. I said, baby, can you ever forgive me? She said, I already did. So that's a, that was a powerful parent moment for me to be able to see that, li- live through that. And she's She's come back to me time after time of that moment to talk about it. Whenever, you know, she would mess up on something, she would come and tell me. And I said, well, thank you for telling me that. And she says, it was from that time you came and apologized for your mistake. And so that was a huge moment. So be genuine with people. Uh, be willing to say that you messed up. And too many times as parents, we want to always try to put ourselves on a pedestal of never being wrong. If we do that, then that puts our kids in a in, in a position where they can't come to us when they're wrong. And that was a huge, and again, I wish I wouldn't have screamed at her. I wish I wouldn't have yelled at her, but it it, it became a huge learning moment. And, and I learned a lot about my emotions and how to control them from that time. So that was a uh-oh moment. <laughs> uh, speaking about emotions, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself over here. <laughs> and, but it's not easy. But it's it's no. the greatest, greatest role that I've ever ever stepped into absolutely uh, it it's one of it's also one of those things that it's like i'm in my 30s now and kind of thinking back to my parents being my age and already raising kids is uh 
it puts things into a different perspective and just a, a different appreciation to just like just be willing to give more grace and not not be judgmental of of them or just anybody that that I see if it if they're new parents, older parents, grandparents, things like that. It's just just being grateful to people like yourself that made the choice to be in your child's life and to continue to be in their life to continue to pour in because of course once you kind of get older it's like oh, I I I did my part. <laughs> so then mm-hmm. I try not to be um selfish so to speak when my parents will call on the weekends or they'll call during the week to just say like, Hey, how, how are you? Or even if like a significant other calls and they like siblings or anything like that, they call and they just, you have those moments of silence where nothing's being said necessarily. It, it's um, it's, it's worthwhile being able to, to appreciate those things. And you've got me thinking I've, I've got some, <laughs> a few phone calls I need to make after I get off <laughs> get off thing. this call and just be like hey uh just calling to say hey and um not going to keep it long but going to keep it short no that's a good thing i mean we you know if we fast forward uh, and, and think about funerals there's so many nice things said at funerals about people and i guarantee you i would those people would have probably liked to have heard that while they were alive yeah and, and not, not not everyone does so just just keep that in mind when those when those phone calls do come up, you know my dad's already passed away, my mom's passed away, uh, but but those times that we spent together was was unbelievable. Uh, so it's yeah, cherish those phone calls, cherish those silent moments because even though they're silent, you're still connected. Uh, yeah, yeah. So definitely make them. Make no, time for them. something that that's almost become a bit of a challenge is like we 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 talk about the moments when people are gone, like the funeral, and you talk about the moments when like you get to spend time with people, but it seems like, it seems like when tomorrow comes and you just go to work, getting on with the day, like doing this task, doing that task. It's like, well, I, I already did my part yesterday. What, what do you mean? I've got to be the one to like reach out again. Like, I don't, I don't have anything to say. I don't, I don't have anything new to report. And it it's like, just even now just being reminded it's, it's not always about having that like the shiny thing you show up with or like whatever it is, like the flowers, the gifts that like those, those things are good, but it it's like just doing less, less overthinking. And even at times when it's not quote unquote convenient, like making the time to still give and just show up where you're needed to show up. That's right. Yes. It's, it's prioritizing what's important in your life and, and I'm not downplaying work and responsibilities. Uh, kind of like the old man said, he, he said, no one on their deathbed ever said, I would have, I wish I would have worked more. No one's ever said that when they're on their deathbed. You know, they said, I wish I would have spent more time with my family, my friends. I wish I would have done things that I, you know, I wanted to do. And, and, and I'm not going to that. Uh, what's the thing? That Extreme. Going about? Yeah. Yeah. This, just do whatever you want to do. No, we have to be responsible adults. Um, but being responsible also means doing your part. One of my mentors said, whoever has whoever has the the higher the higher awareness also has the responsibility to do the thing. Meaning, you know, my mom there for a while used to drink a lot. Uh, so my awareness was higher than hers, you know, as an adult. So I had to be the more responsible one. I would reach out more to her than I knew she would with me. And over time, 
she gave up her drinking and and then we both kind of you know i kind of lifted her up and then we both kind of grew together there in the latter years of her life uh, but it, it would be easy for me back then to say well no it's it's her job you know you know kind of like you were saying why me why do i always have to but there came a time when i didn't have to and she would but i don't think she would have got to that point if I wouldn't have had the higher awareness and the responsibility to take on the task. Uh, and it's not always easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it though. So. Yeah. But, but, but if you know it should be done most time, then we should do it. It's, it's that simple, but it's not that easy. <laughs> Very true. What, what's something you're looking forward to in 2022? Hopefully going out West with my daughter. Okay. I would love to because that's that's our dream is to go out there. So so I'm planning on getting us something set up so we can go out there and spend some time. I'll take a couple of weeks off from work. So, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I have a huge goal, and uh, I know everything's not money wise, but for me, for the last eight years, I've been working on one goal, and it was it was to get my house paid off. Uh, so my goal was ten years, and it'll be paid off uh, in June uh, if everything keeps going right. So, so to me, to me personally, I'll be the first in my family to own a house. Uh, that's a really big accomplishment for me uh, to have it paid off in a little under nine years instead of thirty. So that that's something that that's right on right on the doorstep, and, and I'm super excited for that. And, and I, I know that's a finance thing, but it's been a lot of sacrifice, a lot of things I've had to give up. Those fancy t- toys that I wanted, I've you know I've given them up for this. So. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, all the hard work is, is, is paid off. And then um, that'll free me up to do some other things that I'll be wanting to do. So my dad used to say, you can either pay now and play later or play now and pay later. Uh, but, you know, you can't do both at the same time. So yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've paid a lot and now I'll be able to play. Uh, so, so so I'm excited about that. Looking back on it, I'd rather play in my older age than I would in my younger age. It's harder. It's harder when you get older. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I'll be I'm happy 50. for you about that. I'll be turning 50 next month. So, nice. so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that. It's some people say it's just an age, but it's, it's a big milestone. And, and looking back on my life, I'm, I'm excited to everything that I've done, mm-hmm. but I'm also excited that I have a whole other chapter of, of life about to begin. And I'm, I am super excited about that. That's uh, awesome. What about you? Me for this year, something I'm looking forward to is um, really getting settled into this new position, new location. And I honestly haven't given it like a whole lot of thought, but just my my big thing for this year would really to establish myself where I'm at and just be just really make this place where I'm at home and just be able to to have people as guests and just just be able to add more value in the position that I'm at and not necessarily look to just see what it is that I can get for the time that I'm here but to make the most of like this place the job what I'm learning and really just enjoying the process because it, it's something new while it, it might be something I'm familiar with but it, it's 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 a new opportunity. Of course, I meet it with excitement, but I I want to be able to keep going a little bit past the excitement and just be able to like become a resource where I'm at. Good. 
and you will. I mean, from the times that I've encountered with you, you have uh, great habits. And, and I say that, uh, John Maxwell, you say it's, it's hard to go. It's hard to have uphill dreams with downhill habits. Uh, you have uphill habits. You've always been willing to step out and take new roles and challenges. And in doing that, you grow. Uh, you might stumble along the way, but you'll definitely grow. So just, just continue to do that. Continue to add value to everyone that you're around there. And it'll be an amazing year uh, for both of us. Thank you. Uh, one last question I have for yeah. you is, are you still who you said you were? As far as, far as in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say I'm still those those people, in, uh, but not satisfied with with staying those. Uh, meaning I want to expand, especially with my 50th coming on. I want to I want to step out into new roles. Uh, not that I've mastered the, the, the ones that I have, um, but I don't want to be content with with I definitely don't want to be content with with the circle that I have. Uh, I have an incredible circle of, of friends uh, such as, you know, you, uh, Carmen, Carmen McLean, Lisa, all, all of those are, are still in my circle and help me grow. But I believe that I can add value and, and have that circle grow. So and as far as parenting, it's it's a it's a whole new role now. Uh, I'm more of a coach now with me, I'm coach my daughter instead of just being the parent because the coach listens more and a parent uh, listens and speaks. So I want I want to be part of her life in a in, in a coaching manner. I, I want to listen to her. I just want to experience what she experiences. So that part of parenting is changing for me. Uh, I'm excited for it, and wherever it takes me, I'm you know, I'm excited for that new chapter that that she and I are writing together, and. Job wise, um, I'm excited. I'm tired with, with my new job, uh, but I'm excited. Uh, I got to re- reunite with a lot of old coworkers, so I just want to take my job to a whole new level too. There, uh, there's there are so many openings to grow in in, in my new job. Uh, I just have to step step out and step up. Uh, don't be satisfied with where you're at. Awesome, love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, is there anything that you have? going on um online or offline that you'd like people to look at or get in touch with you at no not right now um like I said, i'm just focused on the job that i'm at right now uh, but uh there's some uh look up wayne murrah on uh youtube it's uh m-u-r-r-a-h uh, some things will pop up if y'all want to like them and uh watch them and laugh mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a few videos Something happened to the account. A couple of them was was off there, so I'm I'm really not sure what all ones are still on there. But besides that, if if there's anything I can do for anybody, they can reach out, find me on Facebook. I'm I'm on there, and uh, if anybody needs has any questions or just uh, wants somebody to, to chat to, sometimes it's easier to chat with a stranger than it is a friend. Uh, so reach out to me. I'm I'm always willing to take time to help people. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you. Until Again, next time. Until next time. If you need anything, reach out to me. I'm here for you, brother. Yes, sir. All right. Y'all have a blessed evening.